Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 92 of Dean Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Ben Bonhoff. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing absolutely fantastic, aside from being really, really super tired. But beside that, uh, I'm doing good. How are you ain't doing? That, ain't that the way it goes these days? Yeah, pretty much. But you know what? I got a vacation next week, so I'm I'm oh, excited. God. Good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Fourth of July. We got Fourth of July off here, and I took an extra day next to it. So I'm I'm looking forward to a little, little bit of a break next Good. week. A shorter, shorter work week. Those we are both deserve it. We do. Treat yeah. yourself. Yeah, we work hard for our money. So hard yeah. for our money. Yeah, <laughs> we work hard for our money. <laughs> ah, that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So uh, we've got lots of fun stuff to talk about today. Uh, just a little bit of news and then uh, a few topics that we've been wanting to discuss for a little while. Uh, so we will, without further ado, dive right into it. Uh, the biggest thing that we wanted to talk about news-wise is <laughs> we, we usually record Wednesday nights. And then the episode, of course, gets released the, the following Monday. Yes. Um, so... As of today, uh, 6.28, as of our recording, uh, Wizards actually dropped the preview video for the next Unearthed Arcana. Like, you know, it's eight eight or nine minutes long. That, um, that's true. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. And uh, they announced that the actual Unearthed Arcana content that they are talking about in the preview video is getting released on June 29th. So by the time this episode comes out, the Unearthed Arcana will be out. Uh, we will have the link to that in the show notes because it'll actually be be out by then. So if you don't know where it is, check uh, check out dndiscussions.com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, but the, they, they previewed a little bit of what it's going to be. And there's a few really interesting tidbits in this preview video. One, uh, it's going to be the biggest UA they've ever released. Which, considering they just released a 50-some page UA last time in UA5, that's pretty dang big. It's going to have a lot. all the classes, <laughs> and all of them will have multiple subclasses. Multiple. Some of those subclasses are going to be brand new. I, I, <laughs> that, that's, I, don't, that's I don't so much. <laughs> uh, the, first, the first appearance of the monk... Mm -hmm. uh, yep. is, is going to be uh, in there because that was the very last class uh, that has not appeared in the UA yet. Everything else is basically, uh, I believe they talked about it in the refinement stage um, based oh, we'll on be hearing that previous feedback. Oh yeah, we're going to be hearing refinement all the time. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, we've already talked a little bit about how we feel about giant UAs. Uh, to be, and, and I'm going to be completely honest, I barely was able to fill out any of the last survey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, to, just to be completely honest, like there's, there was just so much, uh, like I probably would have had to sit down for an hour plus to fill out that entire thing. And I just, I just did not find the, the time or the, the motivation <laughs> to get that done. Uh, it's just so huge. Well, and the big thing is, too, is the fact that this is this is essentially a new player's handbook. And depending on how much time they give us until the survey comes out, there's no well, I can guarantee you there's no way that you're going to be able to play test all of this stuff. Like not the average all. person. Yeah, not the average, so, your average D&D &D player. My guess is that kind of the goal with this is really for people to, you know, try out and look at the things that they know the most, like they know the best. Like, so let's say your favorite class is the monk. Well, that's going to be the thing that you're looking at and that's what you want to talk about. So when it comes to the, the survey, maybe you'll be able to, to do, you know, pick and choose different sections that you actually interacted with. And, you know, again, if the monk is your favorite class, you have a lot of information going into it, being able to see the changes and, uh, you know, give opinions on that. And hopefully that's kind of the feedback that they're looking for with this, because since it is such a huge amount of information, you really need to be able to kind of cherry pick what you're going to be talking about and answering questions on. Yeah. 
Uh, and they do give you basically like, what do you want to provide feedback on? Mm-hmm. And you see, see the giant list. Uh, so I, we, I would encourage you to, if you can't or don't want to, or just don't have time or motivation to ch- read absolutely everything and then give feedback on absolutely everything, uh, pick and choose the stuff that's the most important to you exactly to give, to give feedback, good or bad on, um, for those things. I, it's, it's, it's a little sucky because I feel like this would be much better and you'd get a lot more feedback if these were a lot smaller and more, more pointed, but I feel like they're, they've put a timetable on themselves and they're running out of time. Yeah. That that's kind of what it is. Cause they want, this is called 2024 D and D and in three days we're halfway through the year, which means that we've got to get these done. They've got to be completely finished and written. And then you have publishing time. Then you have distribution time. Then you have all yeah. that. We're looking editing, at editing layout printing. You've got to have these done several months mm-hmm. before people actually get them in their hands. Yeah. Like timing wise right now, I would guess we're looking at like second quarter summertime or so next year. And that's and if the, we're, you know, really fast tracking a lot of and this to, stuff. And to be, to be fair, I hope it's Q3 or Q4. Yeah. Next year. I really do Honestly. too. Like I don't, I mean, for good or for bad, there's going to probably be some amount of rush mm-hmm. for this because they are wanting to hit a year. They have not announced right now when they're coming out, which I think is a good thing. I'm glad they have not uh, landed on a date that they're trying to. I'm sure they have internal goals, but I'm yeah. I'm glad they have not publicly announced a date they're trying to hit just in case they need that leeway. And I hope they give themselves that leeway, especially based on the feedback, because this is a huge deal. Like this is setting setting the baseline for the next 10 plus years. Yep. And that's their words, not mine. Like that's, this is the, this is setting us up for the next decade of D and D. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I think, I think it's, I, I hope they take the time as much as is possible that they need before these actually drop for real. Yeah. And I mean, when the UA drops, we have a, a bunch of really cool things that are happening. You're going to see um, reversions from some things that they tried out. We're going to see um, changes from, you know, things that they tried out to new things. Um, like one of the big things that they were talking about is that, you know, the subclass features are going back to their previous levels that they had before because there were like all these ripple effects of putting everything together on the same levels, making it kind of unfun on certain levels as you're playing and and everything, which I think is, you know, I'm glad that they were able to see that and notice that. Um, I think it's honestly more, and this is, this is just Ryan opinion, but I think it's honestly more for backward compatibility. I think it broke, probably broke a lot of backward compatibility and they, that's, such a huge focus for this mm-hmm. is to not be a five, five, not be a five, one, not be a six, six, oh, but to be still fifth edition. And I, so I think in some ways, not that you can't introduce cool new stuff like me- weapon mastery, because they actually said that that was big, that they're continuing that that's been fleshed out and is with some other classes. And it was a huge hit. Mm-hmm as far as, as rankings and ratings go. But I think it also, it also constrains you somewhat because you can't go too out there without worrying about those ripple effects that could break that backward compatibility. Mm-hmm. Because if you go too far, then there's too much there could ca- cause a lot of confusion or cause you to have to do a lot of this. Like here's what the conversion looks like type thing. So yeah. I, I get why they did that and and it makes sense from that line of thinking. Yeah. I mean, it like ripples can be many different things. And if you're looking at uh, subclasses that aren't in this new player's handbook, they're going to be getting things at different levels than what they would have in the new player's handbook. I mean, that right there is just, you know, evidence of, of your theory. 
Um, but one of the things that they did stress is that, you know, you don't get your first subclass features until level three. So they're kind of putting that across the board. I like so, that. Yeah. I like that though. I think that was a really solid change. Exactly. It, it still gives, uh, you know, like clerics a good chance to kind of look at things, you know, same with warlocks and, and other, um, you know, or like sorcerers and everything, other kind of characters, uh, and classes, the ability to really see what's out there before, you know, fully focusing and saying, Hey, I've never played this class before. This is what I'm doing right now. Gives you a feel for it. And then you can see what your play style is. Something we've talked yeah. about a lot. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They also talked about, um, I, I noticed a lot of the comments in the YouTube video are talking about the rogue, uh, because, because of the way the subclass progression works, you get your subclass at three and then you don't actually get a new subclass feature until level nine. Oh, wow. Which seems really far. Um, they did interestingly mention, and I didn't see a lot of people talking about this, that uh, because of that, they had design space to play in. And so they added a new feature for the whole class within that space, that that level three to nine space. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that kind of makes up for it. But if there are any to actually change for good reason the rogue not getting a subclass feature for six levels does does seem like a uh it would be a good target yeah i mean currently that's how it is and i can uh, totally understand where that's just not as much fun so yeah makes sense playing around with that and stuff um i'm also i'm looking forward to seeing some of the new subclasses that they're they're going to be putting in this that's going to be really neat uh and then one thing that uh, you pointed out is that they're making some of these subclasses actually like planar and like multiversal related and just that alone is kind of opening up the doors to you know potential homebrew storytelling or even opening up the doors to a lot more exciting things that can possibly happen in their own adventures and source books Yeah, no, I, I think that's I think that's a cool nod. Um, I think that'll that'll really expand things a lot and kind of bring their lore into it more, which mm -hmm. is which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it, it, at the end of the day, they said they said refinement a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they but they also said they really wanted to focus on the fun things, refining the fun things, refining the things that people were excited about. Uh, so I'm I'm really hoping that all the classes will just get just that uh, some extra here and there. Exactly. Uh, like the weapon mastery, like these new features uh, and such. And I'm very interested to see what the monk looks like. Uh, so we'll have a we'll have a whole big thing on the new UA. The next episode we do. Yeah, Which will I mean, be great because that'll give us time to digest. <laughs> I was going to say we could have pushed until, you know, like Sunday night, but that would be nowhere near the amount of time that we need to dig into this. So, um, yeah, that's why we're giving you the heads up of, yeah, it's not going to be in the episode on Monday, yeah, yeah. but uh, it will be coming. And I'll, I'll tell you, the first thing I'm going to look at is the Druid. Yes, that'll that uh, the monk will be very, very high for me to look at because I have played one. Uh, for quite a while mm -hmm. and the the druid was one of the things i was most concerned about from yes. the ua so i'm very interested to see what it looks like now after uh the deluge of feedback and you can be tiny at level 11. i don't remember what level it was but still it was so dumb anyways it was too high yes <laughs> exactly it's too high but yeah anyways we'll we'll have a full we'll have a full look over uh that next next episode and go through not all of it because it sounds like it's going to be ridiculous uh but we'll hit the highlights yeah we'll hit the highlights the, sure. the things that interest us at least that stand out yep all right so with that out of the way uh let's move on to uh one of our topics tonight which is setting the mood there are a lot of ways to set the mood beyond just here's some players here's some dialogue here's some descriptive words you know and so on and so forth mm -hmm. uh there's there's a very there's a very <laughs> wide array of ways you can play 
tabletop RPGs. There's a wide array of uh, immersiveness or level of immersiveness that you can play tabletop RPGs at. So we wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about setting the mood and improving your own games and helping to immerse yourself and the players more in what you're doing. There's two different, there'll be two different schools of that. Well, we're going to talk about online because that is a very popular way to play. And we're going to talk about in person uh, because there are some things you can do for one that you really can't do super well for the other. Uh, There are pros and cons to both, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's some cool, but there's, there is ways that you can enhance uh, as you go. So, so Ben, let's, let's start by talking, enhancing the mood, setting the mood in your online games. What do you personally do to help? Because we've both ran online games. We both ran in-person games. Uh, So what do you do? What are some of the things you do to help set the mood for your online game? Well, I will say, first off, I need to be better at it than I already am. There is definitely a lot of room for improvement on this because, um, you know, I I don't always fully write out descriptions of everything. I kind of go, you know, off the handle or I base it off of questions that are asked and things like that. So that that's a that's a big fault of mine. And I know I need to do better at this. But one of the things that I'm I'm going to be trying to do better and I have kind of done here and there and everything is really paint the picture of the setting and it's going to be a huge, huge importance of, of really knowing what you're doing here because, you know, you'd be like, okay, well, you walk into the room. Okay, you're in a room. But if you start painting the picture, you can really give a, a good description and get people into that feeling of it. You know, start going off of the senses. You're in the very, the, the dark, dank, musty room. Um, you hear water dripping in the, in one of the corners and the, the chill just kind of permeates through your, your, your bones as you step in, there's a spider web, you know, stuck, or I don't know, covered all over the table in front of you. Uh, it seems as though no one's been in here for, for months yet you almost hear a soft voice calling out to you. And this is where, you know, you use your voice and I'm not saying you have to be a voice actor to do this, but you can start, you know, raising your, your, your tone, your volume, lowering it and really kind of use the microphone to your benefit to really kind of help, you know, enhance the mood on this. You know, you, you start hearing whispers. Just something simple like that. I like it. I like it. I, I mean, that's doing doing unexpected things can really be a mood setter. Like going all in on a voice, mm-hmm. going all in on uh, a creepy horror vibe, going all in on a silly NPC. It doesn't always have to be dank and dark, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is a, is a great way to do it. Uh, so for online, for me, uh, there's, there's several different things that, that I try and use for mood setting. One, obviously virtual tabletops. Yes. That's a, that is, that's a, at this point, extremely accessible, uh, ranging from very easy to set up to super complex, um, depending on what you want to do, you know, fantasy grounds, roll 20 foundry, Albert rodeo, alchemy, just all sorts of different, uh, virtual tabletops where you can provide everything from here's just a few tokens and a simple map to here's an extremely detailed map with tokens that represent absolutely everything, spell effects, lighting, fog of war type stuff uh, and exploration. Um, so that's that's a really big thing that has a giant spectrum of setting the mood. Uh, secondly, music 
or mm-hmm. sound effects. Um, and these are these are really big, and there's a lot of different ways you can do them. A lot of virtual tabletops have music or sound effect type things built in, so that the players can listen and hear while they're on. Uh, you can do stuff through Discord. Uh, the I have to I have to shout out uh, Kenku FM K E N K U FM. It's a little bit of a setup, but it's basically a Discord bot that lets you join a Discord server as the bot and then play your local music through it. Oh, super, super cool, Uh, especially since Discord took away the ability to use bots to play things like YouTube playlists and such, because that's what I used to use is I would just get one of the popular music bots. I'd go find YouTube music and, you know, throw the bot a URL and have it play play that mm-hmm. uh, this you have to have the music yourself or download the music yourself, but it gives you a lot more granular control over over how it play. And it works. It works really well because it's a local thing. You're not relying on another server. It's a yeah. it's something you're running on your your computer. Uh, so that's a that's a super cool tool. That you can use. So you've got the virtual tabletop and you got the music uh, and potentially the lighting, uh, sound effects, like you said, voices, voices are, can be, can be very big. If you can't do them, that's okay. Just raising and lowering tone, whispering, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, can all convey, uh, mood and setting danger or levity. Yeah. And, and uh, on top of that too, thing. just speed on what, you know, what you're describing, what you're talking through things as well, you know, had that sense of urgency, speak really fast so that, you know, it's more action packed or, you know, go something, you know, really slow. If it's just kind of like, you know, you're just traveling slow and lazy and then any sort of tone or speed change from there is an instant like wake up of, Oh, things are changing. And it's just, again, something's happening. Yeah. Very simple thing to do that doesn't require anything fancy except just your voice. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it's a, it's a super huge thing. Um, another big thing for online art, uh, the internet, it turns out is full of pictures. What? Yeah, I know. Wild, Safe right? Search on. Safe search on. <laughs> Safe search on. <laughs> it is full of pictures. Safe search on. Uh, one of the things you can do for inspiration, uh, well, one, Go commission some art. Yes. Help an artist out. Go, <laughs> go commission some freaking art. If you have something that is extremely important to you, like player character portraits, like the maybe a campaign spanning big bad evil guy, um, an incredibly important NPC or something like that, those are all really great targets or commissioned art, something that that you want to leave an impression, something that you want to stick to stick in the players heads and something where you want to get the details exactly right. And a proxy just won't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those those are really great things. Just showing art or having art so you can see what those characters look like, see what that bad guy looks like, see what that city or that setting looks like. But for what you probably can't. And I mean, if you can, great. Uh, I, I applaud you, but most likely most people will not be able to afford to commission art for absolutely every single NPC and location and character in their game. So then, uh, we turn to proxying. uh, Google image search is your friend. Yes. If you want to, there's tons of an amazing work by other artists and, and the, we're talking home games here. Like if you're doing, if you're doing stream games and such, make sure if you show off stuff, that's not yours, get permission from the artist mm-hmm. to do it or just commission your own. That, that's, that's a little bit of a, of a hairier thing. Yeah, I'm just talking, we're talking, thing. yeah, we're talking straight up. I'm playing with my friends, private home game, online game type thing. That's not necessarily, uh, streamed somewhere or whatever. Uh, or it's maybe just a podcast and you're 
showing the players, but that's not like going to be art you're displaying mm-hmm. uh, on a thing. But anyways, so you can just check out Google Images, search for something you're thinking about, and most likely you will be able to find a fair approximation of what you see in your head, be it uh, a dragon or an NPC. Uh, a lot of times I'll search uh, like ranger, like uh, like male ranger with wolf companion D&D or something like that. And you'll get a lot of cool art that will be in that vein. So yeah. And then you can yeah. show your players that, that stuff, and that can help draw them into the world, right? That that gives them something for their mind's eye to latch onto uh, and gives a little bit more life to what they're pretending in their head or what they see that little 2D token of in the tabletop. Exactly. I just, just now did a very super fast uh, search for mean armored orc and I got something really cool looking and I just sent it to Ryan in our uh, discord. Just Yeah. And that looks like a mean armored orc. And yep. now I kind of had a picture <laughs> in my head of what that looks like. And then from there, you as the DM can start describing it and using mannerisms and talking about how it fights, yep. how it bring looks, it how life. it acts, how it attacks and bring it. Yeah. Bring it to life. So that's a, that's a super easy thing you can do. And it adds so much uh, to, to your online games. And I will warn you, if you do anything about an orc, uh, you will get a lot of world of Warcraft. That is unsurprising. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. But yeah, so like there's there's tons of stuff that you can do. Uh even even if you are limited to just online play. There's there's quite a bit of stuff you can still do to help set the mood. And again, mm-hmm. all these extras, some of them take more time than others. Like setting yes. up a virtual tabletop with all the lighting and effects and and you know, the fog war and all that stuff. Yeah. It can be time consuming. I mean, d- so I've been using Albert Radio as you know talked about yeah. before. Uh, yep, not radio, rodeo. Rodeo. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Albert Radio is something entirely different. Um, there's a lot of squawking on that. Anyways, um, I've got Foundry, and it seems way overblown for stuff of what I actually want to use it for. But at the same time, I've watched a video or two on like just the the setup of it and stuff, and it's surprisingly simple to kind of, you know, get things up, set up. Oh, but this is a wall. This is a door. This is this, this is that. And I'm actually hopefully going to start using that soon. Um, one of the big reasons I want to do that is because I also have dungeon alchemist and make your maps in there, port it over to uh, foundry. And I mean, it just looks amazing. Well, and that's, that's a, a great point because there is I, technology is wonderful, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there is software now like Dungeon Alchemist that actually allows you to port your maps to things like Roll20 or Foundry with like walls and lighting already built. Yep. So that can be as long as you have time to make the map or check Steam Workshop and search and see if you can find a fair approximation of a place like just like search sewer. I'm sure there's dozens of people who have made sewer maps on there, then you can easily download that one, export it into whatever format you need it, and then pull it up. And that gets you essentially what you want, saves you a lot of time and all the cool extras for it are, are there for the, the use. Yep. It's, it's great. And uh, like I said, I'm hoping to use it soon. I, I, (laughs) the stupid thing is, is, I have no idea how to get my players to actually get to the thing. And I know that's just in the instructions somewhere. I just haven't gotten there yet. Cause I'm just trying to figure out how to run that first. Cause I don't want them to play in something that isn't, you know, actually complete. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that's, that's, that's some tips for online. But what if, what if you're in person? Because there's a bunch of new things that open up when you are in an in-person campaign for setting the mood that are not 
fully possible online. When we when we talk about lighting, you can turn off the lights in a room. Wait, what? You could dim the lights in a room if what? you want, if if the mood, you know, strikes you for that sort of thing. That's super cool. That's something that you can't necessarily do online. Uh, instead of virtual tabletop, you potentially have terrain and minis. Those can incredibly bring a game to life as now people are seeing this whole setup in 3D mm-hmm. or some facsimile of 3D. Uh, they can have their own miniatures. You can have your own miniatures for the enemies, uh, and that can bring them to life in ways that you just can't do online. So that's that's a, a super cool way. And again, you don't need this stuff. This is not required. These are these are just all a lot of extras you can do to just up the immersion and up that mood of the game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, having any sort of anything that's like tactile really kind of puts you into it. So, I mean, miniatures are great, but I mean, any sort of handouts or if there's especially like a puzzle of some sort, if you are able to like kind of construct some sort of puzzle and hand it to them so that someone's actually able to kind of go through and work on it and try to figure it out while the rest of the party is either, you know, helping out or, or trying to figure out a plan or, you know, just talking through the situation, it, it gives someone who might not be as engaged a chance to really kind of get their hands and, and, and fall into everything with you. Um, on top of that, handouts for different information, um, like, you know, here are the documents that you found in the magister's desk when you're, you know, trying to find something incriminating, you know, you might have something in there or, uh, letters from a, a different country, you know, talking about, uh, treason and, and, and just different things along those lines, uh, or something as simple as like a job posting on a board, you know, it's a, you know, level one or two venturing group, they're looking for something to do. Boom. Here's the bar saying, Oh yeah, we've got some sort of infestation in the basement. And of course it's going to be giant rats. Cause that's what you do for a level one or two party who are trying to find something on a board. You know, lots of fun, different things that you can do yeah. just with a, oh my a, gosh. a super easy handout that you can either, you know, print out, um, scrawl yourself. I mean, you don't need something to be, you know, um, dipped in coffee and aged with burnt corners and and things like that. You could just write something down, scribble it out and do something however you want. So that they have something in their hands. But gosh, if you have the time to do that, (laughs) it's like physical props and handouts are one of my absolute favorite parts about in-person D and D. Because when I, back when I had my, my, 90 ish percent in person campaign mm-hmm. um, before we went online for, for COVID stuff. Uh, that was one of my favorite things to do. Uh, being able to make a, you know, um, a copy of the broadsheet or the newspaper uh, for, for a city and reference an event that happened. Um, being able to, uh, I, I think I've talked about this before. Take out the physical. Um, uh, what's why? Why am I brain farting? Uh, hourglass. Taking out the physical mm-hmm. hourglass and turning it over during combat, so that the players can see see that. Um, having having physical props of you got inspiration. Here's a token. Mm-hmm. that represents inspiration. And when you spend it, you give it back to me. That's a super cool thing. Being able to hand out, uh, maybe printed out or laminated cards for special magic items. They're, they're like, Oh, uh, you found this cloak. And then you reach down and you hand them a card for the cloak. It has uh, all the information on it for it and everything. Yeah, just, just super super cool to be able to do something like that you know, or one of my favorite that, props and amazing like you can find these on amazon and obviously on etsy and stuff but potion bottles that have the d4s in them 
it's one of my favorite things. So you just, you know, pop I it open. some myself. Yep. yep. Pop it open. You dump out the D4s, roll it, and then that's what you get. I just, I love that. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Yeah. That Like that, that just, that's an immersion thing that adds so much to the experience. Cause like, I'm going to drink a healing potion. Okay. Pop your actual bottle, roll those D those red D fours out mm-hmm. uh, and see what you get. And then, or when you buy a potion, it's just like, okay, here you go. And you hand, hand them the physical, the physical potion. Exactly. It's, it's, it's super cool being able to do like, Props and handouts are definitely uh, along with, you know, minis. And then you can you can set up your, your phone or your iPad or whatever. And you can do the music stuff uh, just like you can online and have those that background stuff going uh, as you as you do your things. Um, so, yeah, like there's there's a lot of really fun stuff like that that you can do in person. That that uh, you're you're a little more limited in those particular factors online. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, those are just some of the things. Um, if you have any ideas that's you know, or something that you constantly do to kind of help bring the mood uh, to you know the, the right levels and everything, let us know. You know, we're always open to hearing more of that stuff. Yeah, this is that that's that's something. Uh, if you want to hit us up at dndiscussions at gmail or, or shoot us a tweet or something. That's that's stuff we absolutely love to hear about. Mm-hmm. Is is how do you set the mood? What are the special things that you do or have done for your players to like surprise them or or delight them? Or did you did you hand them a map? Uh, did you hand them the blood stained note that they found in their investigation? You know that that sort of thing. Um, did you hand them the puzzle? Like you said, here's that, that crypto puzzle. Exactly. Uh, and you have to legitimately f- use work together and figure it out for realsies <laughs> versus, <laughs> versus, uh, just imagining it in your head or doing some, some DC check to, to try and get past it. I, I remember one of the things that I'm most proud of was a puzzle in a dwarven tomb that I did where I uh, had gave them a black light invisible. I had a bunch of stuff with invisible ink and they had a black light pen and it was, it was uh, represented the moon. Oh, that's cool. Down. And so as they, as they uh, figured parts of the puzzle out, I would shine that light down on the newly revealed clue or riddle or whatever. Uh, And then that was kind of a cool thing, you know, turn off the lights. You just have the, that one beam of light coming in through the, the crack in the ceiling or that Mm -hmm. little shaft in the ceiling. Uh, But that was, again, that's something that's something, a really cool in-person thing uh, that I was able to do for that. So there's a lot of different things. And, I'm sure there's a way to do some puzzles like that online. Um, there's a several DMs guild supplement that are just like puzzles that are actually really good. Um, I'll have to go look them up and we'll have to shout some of them out uh, in next next week's or next uh, next episode we do. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of really good stuff like that. So you can kind of replicate that in some ways online as well. So set the mood as best you can and just have fun. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, moving right along. It's been a little while, Ben, since we've done a monster fixture segment. A little bit. So you think we should do one? Nah, let's, let's just move on. Okay. Oh, I no, changed my mind. Dang it. Good. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a little monster fixture segment. And we're going to talk tonight about oozes of all sorts. Oozes, gelatinous cubes, anything that's squishy and gooey and oozy. (laughs) Yeah, these are fun. And they are. I don't use them near enough because they're boring. 
mostly boring. And the thing is, is, you know, the gelatinous Here's a gooey cubes, thing. It's got it, a, it's got a pseudopod. Yeah. The gelatinous cube is probably the most interesting one, but that's like a challenge rating of like two. So it, you don't really use it much. And, um, it, it uh, did you ever see onward? The, the Pixar movie with the brothers. Yes. Yes. Yep. And they had one in it. Yes. And it was the best part of that. Well, okay. There's a lot of good parts in that movie, but it was one of the best parts of the movies when that showed up, I was cheering and it was great. And then, you know, they defeated it because again, it's only a CR2. So anyways, but <laughs> oozes can be a lot of fun. And, you know, I think we've come up with some really interesting things here. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, there is, there's so much design space with oozes for, for different types of oozes. And officially, there are a few different types of oozes. Yes. But none of them are super amazing or inspiring. No. To be completely honest. Um, however, there are some absolutely amazing oozes from third parties. Mm-hmm. And not just low CR ones, but also some, some high CR oozes as well. I, in fact, I think... Uh, they had talked about uh, having one or two high CR oozes in the new monster manual for oh. the 2024 uh, book. But one of the ones I like to get a lot of inspiration from is Kobold Press stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the Creature Codex. They have Tome of Beasts 1, 2, and 3. Pretty much all those books have like specialty oozes that are actually kind of interesting. Like uh, I'll, I'll use Tome of Beast 3, for example, uh, Leaves Rot Ooze, which is an ooze made up of leaves, uh, a manure ooze, <laughs> which is made of, I, I, I bet you can guess, uh, a scintillating ooze with, uh, that wields an assortment of weapons, <laughs> just oh, like leftover weapons from adventurers. Uh, a shoal ooze that is uh, for water-based stuff. A sinkhole ooze that is basically just like a big hole in the ground. Uh, a snow ooze that uh, is just made of snow. And so, like, there's there's so much design space for oozes from, and I think you had talked about that a little bit. Uh, elemental perspective, yeah, uh, like black tar ooze. Um, like mud, uh, Basically, poison, acid, just any, all any sort, sort of, of viscous thing, you know, anything that you can just kind of throw together in a glob and have it move around and do stuff. I mean, it's the idea of, uh, just different elemental oozes. Just look at the choo-choos in the Zelda games. You know, there's electric ones, ice ones, fire ones. And I mean, just add that little aspect to it and you've instantly like doubled or tripled how interesting this enemy can be. I mean, oh, yeah, the totally. design alone. <laughs> um, one, one thing to add to oozes, especially if you start customizing them a little bit. Uh, one thing I like to do is oozes that leave environmental effects around them. Mm-hmm. If you have an ooze that's running around, maybe it leaves a trail of acid or a puddle of goo uh, or tar or something like that, that then becomes an actual environmental thing. So if you're playing on a virtual tabletop or you're playing on a battle map in person, you can start drawing those lines on your maps. And it's like, hey, this is actually dangerous terrain now. Uh, like, yeah, if you move through here, you're going to get slowed. Or if you move through here, you may need to make a dexterity check to not get stuck or, or not, not get fall. burned or yeah, or, or fall. Maybe it's a, a water type ooze uh, of some sort that you could slip and go prone if you mm-hmm. if you try to do it. And if you have several of these oozes on the battlefield all moving around then suddenly things get kind of interesting if you want to move away from these oozes and maybe different pathways begin to form. Maybe uh, some characters start to get boxed in and you have to start thinking creatively, how do I get away? How do I get out of here? Because 
I'm either going to have to go through this junk or I'm going to have to kill this thing before it gets to me. Yeah. And it's not like that's part of what makes like part of making slightly more dangerous oozes than CR2 unless you're playing lower levels. Yeah. And it's not like Tron where, you you know, you destroy the, the light cycle and the wall disappears. These environmental things, they stay. It's just. Yeah. This is the world now. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, this is a minute duration or a 10 minute duration type thing or something like that, which means it's going to last all of combat. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because because (laughs) most combats are not going to last more than a minute. (laughs) Let's let's just be honest. Uh, I can count on one hand the amount of combats that I have been a part of or or done that have lasted 10 rounds or more. And they're usually the end of the campaign kind of things. Yeah, they're usually a very big deal, a very big deal. Or I did something horrible with the encounter balance. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's that's a completely different, different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the other other really cool thing about oozes is they can basically be anywhere. You can fit them into cracks. They can get underneath doors. Uh, you can use them as surprise things that drop from the ceiling onto people's heads. Uh, you could use that. You could use gelatinous cubes in, in a prison or a dungeon. Uh, I, I just think of the scenario uh, in empire strikes back when they're in the garbage chute, mm-hmm. right? You could easily make a very cool encounter that is similar to that with gelatinous cubes slowly closing in into a, a confined space. Sorry, I got to like, be there's that There's a lot of really fun, fun stuff. It's a new hope, not empire. Just have to say that before we get. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. you're right. You're right. You're um, right. Yeah. But that being said, been, been a hot minute because that, you know, they, they can change shape and do a whole bunch of different things. There's even more that you can do with them. So yeah, you have the pseudopod that, you know, just, sticks out and flaps people and stuff. What if it just starts shooting pseudopods out and has its own set of minions? You know, it could be something that's uh, turns one an encounter with one thing into a whole bunch of, you know, minions that are around that can actually start attacking as well. Um, I know some of the oozes have the feature where if you kill it, then it, it splits to two and then, you know, and so on and so on. But this one would be, you know, proactively doing that on its own. Um, I've also thought of, you know, Hey, sometimes oozes can be kind of smart too. They can change their shape. Why don't they completely flatten? And then it raises their defense. Cause they're essentially just the floor at that point. You know, if, if you're hitting the floor, is it really going to be doing damage to the ooze itself? Or on top of that, what if it can actually like harden its like membrane itself and, you know, have a, a extra AC for a couple rounds or something along those lines, you know, just kind of depending on how, how it's going, what's hitting the ooze, what's affecting it and things like that. You can have different reactions based on types of magic or weaponry or, you know, anything that's actually interacting with it. Yeah, I know. And this is, I know the, this came from some older versions uh, as well, but, uh, oozes corroding non-magical weapons mm-hmm. and stuff like that too. Dissolving shields. Yeah, th- they have know. that in this edition too. Uh, are there are there some ar- yeah this? some that'll dissolve uh, non-magical armor? That's the, right. To the point where it's completely about, yeah, destroys it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, there's there's cool things that you can do with that as a baseline, and then expand upon that sort of thing. Um, I, I played in a game that I had a DM that ran oozes and our stuff got destroyed. <laughs> oh, isn't nah. that fun? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's fun. You, you, you have to, you have to be careful. You have to be careful with that a little bit. Um, with, with how far you go. For, for those types of things. But um, it, it's it's certainly an interesting mechanic that has its place. Mm-hmm. No question. No question. Uh, yeah, there's there's so much fun stuff that you can do with oozes or gelatinous cubes. 
Uh, they're very uh, they're ripe for flavoring, like you said, with with different elemental damages. It'd be kind of cool to have an ooze that uh, like swapped between different elements as a reaction to the type of damage it took. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. Like kind of like a, a Darwinian ooze or something. It absorbs yeah, yeah. the, the damage and then it becomes, you know, resistant to that damage and then also puts it back out because it absorbed it and somehow. Yeah, I mean, how how interesting would it be to have like an evolving enemy that you had to be careful what you hit it with because any elemental type energies basically fueled it it started giving it resistance to those types of things and then also added it to its attack or its ability to do it. And you have this like multi elemental ooze by the end of the battle. That's doing like fire and cold and uh, like, I don't know, radiant or, you know, all sorts are necrotic, all sorts of different things. It's amalgamation of, of elements. It'd be that, kind of a cool, cool concept. I think, really I feel like cool. there's something there. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I definitely think that there's something there. Um, the last thing I came up with, too, is just the idea of being able to, you know, manipulate shape and everything. And um, somehow the ooze just kind of stretches out underfoot and then flanks with itself. Could be interesting. I don't know exactly how that works yet. Just kind of came to mind. I, I think that's a, a super cool idea. Something about it, like covering a whole section i mean and there's current rules that like oozes can occupy the same space as another character and it's like not exactly engulfing the other character but it's surrounding them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that could be fun yeah Yeah. there's like there's a lot of really interesting concepts and like where we we don't have time to go into detail or or break this down necessarily but I, i feel like there's a lot of design space Mm-hmm. It, with oozes where you could do some, some really interesting stuff. Yeah, just, just the so fact like, that they're so pliable. It just, yeah. it just opens it up to your creativity. Though. Yeah. Like I said, there's, there's a lot of work you can do. There's not a ton of variety in oozes officially, uh, but there's a lot you could do with very little work to play, play with them. And then, like I said, there are a lot of wonderful supplements. Um, well, uh, I, I talked about Tome of Beasts 3, uh, but lots of other those types of monster books that have those ooze type creatures in various forms with unique abilities and attacks that go beyond just here's a here's a pseudopod. Yep. Like the that scintillating ooze is a CR 12, right? That's that's super cool. That that shoal ooze that has like a is in the water is a CR 10. Like there's there's some super cool stuff uh, with varying varying levels of play. Uh, and it's it's something especially sewers or dank, dark caves or it, a lot of a lot of places that these these can exist. Yeah. If you want some real world inspiration, just look up, uh, you know, things about amoebas. That'll give you plenty to work with. Yeah. Amoebas are super cool. They are really cool. Super cool. All right. Uh, so that is that is it for, for the Monster Fixer. If you have any cool ideas for oozes, of course, feel free to send them along. We would love to to see what you do in that design space. Yes. Uh, finally. Uh, before we talk about kind of what we're doing in our games, uh, a few things to shout out. Uh, of course, from our first party, Wizards of the Coast, we have Big B Presents Glory of the Giants uh, coming August 15th. That is only about a month and a half away now. Uh, so if you, it, it, we talked about it a little bit. It looks much more like a DM focused book, mm-hmm. the player, but there's a little bit of player option, but it looks like a much more DM focused book. And especially if you're, uh, wanting to use giants, have giants in your future, running things, something like Storm King's Thunder or something like that. Uh, this would be a very, a very looks to be a very good book yes. uh, to supplement that. And then uh, also coming fairly soon is Fandelver and Below the Shattered Obelisk. Yep. Uh, this is an adventure book. 
that is coming September 19th. And it's kind of uh, an add on slash sequel to uh, the Minds of Fandelver, uh, which was one of the very first adventures released for fifth edition. So this is kind of in that same vein, uh, in that same in that same space. If you want to continue those adventures or, or you have a campaign that started there or exists there, uh, it looks like it's it's a much more fleshed out. Uh, looks like uh, one to twelve levels, one to twelve. Yep. Book. So much more fleshed out, uh, larger adventure in that space. Quite true. Quite true. Um, so I have something I, yeah, uh, a friend of mine kind of suggested this to me. It's actually pretty cool. Um, we, he found it on drive through RPG and it is uh, further ancestries and cultures. Um, basically it's 31 new ancestries in different cultures, which I think is just absolutely amazing that they, through so many in here um just on the page itself they recommend or they say you know there's some fun options like like the pandan the manticorian the capybarian and there's a whole bunch more um when they're talking about like you know culture it it gives examples of like a an orc being raised by elves you know how would that actually change the you know like the the standard kind of generic backstory of an orc if you were actually living in elver society um, they have just different types of mixed ancestry, like a gnome and a halfling, you know, a, a child of a gnome and a halfling and uh, a whole bunch of different stuff that you can kind of, you know, put in your game that, you know, you, you don't really see anywhere else. And uh, I'm actually kind of excited about this. I'm I'm probably going to get it because, uh, well, first of all, I like pandas. So playing as one is a really cool and fun idea, but that's completely legitimate. Oh, yeah, definitely. But um, yeah, there's uh, well, they have like their own version of Alkin in here. Um, like I said, the, the Cap Baron, which I think is really cool. There's a dromedarian. So, you know, you can be a camel person, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, just a whole bunch of different random things. Uh, uh, Tricerans. So uh, you can be a Triceratops. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So definitely check it out. It's uh, we'll put the, obviously the link in the show notes, but it is on uh, drive through RPG. Very cool. I'll have to I'll have to check that one out. If you're looking for more uh, playable character type stuff, sounds like it's got a lot. Oh wow, Mephit ancestral traits. Oh, you can be a Mephit. That's cool. Ooh. What kind of Mephit though? Uh they've got a couple in here actually. Uh, the ele- elemental Mephits. Dust, ice, magma, mud, smoke, steam. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, this is cool. Very cool. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, go check that out. We will have the link to that in the show notes. Uh, and of course, finally, before we end, we usually talk a little bit about what's going on in our own games. So Ben, have you, have you gotten to play since we last talked? No, not at all, but, uh, we are going to be playing this Saturday and I am very much looking forward to it. Uh, unfortunately last time uh, we were going to play, I ended up getting kind of sick uh, so I wasn't able to do prep or, you know, run a game. So yeah, had to postpone. It, it happens, happens to the best of us. How Sickness about you? Is, uh, it's really sucky. I know you, uh, you you're, you're still played. working on both the campaigns, kind of whittling them down. How's that? I have. Going? Yep. So, uh, both, both my campaigns are, are kind of drawing to a close right now. Um, we're, we're in the home stretch of both. As I uh, wind down and then look to take uh, a little bit of of a break from DMing after six years <laughs> and and three like fairly lengthy campaigns, uh, two of which have been running. Uh, I've been running two simultaneously for the last like four four or so years, mm-hmm. and so it's. It's been wonderful. It's been amazing. So many good stories, so many good moments. Uh, but, it, and ne- we, I think we've, we've talked about burnout before. Yes. Never be afraid to take a break when you need to take a break, when you need to recharge your creative juices. And after six, six years of basically constantly DMing, it is, it is my time to take a break to recharge um for a little while and you deserve um, it 
yeah, and and it's it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Like I so lots of lots of really good memories, lots of really good moments, uh, lots of really great people to play with. So, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to that. But I'm also looking forward to the last few sessions uh, of the campaigns as well as we wrap up big arcs. Uh, and the big one right now is uh, the dragon that the party uh, it's kind of full circle thing that mm-hmm. the party That's uh, right. encountered and has been kind of a, a, a background through line throughout a lot of the campaign. And they're, they're discovering more and more about him. Uh, they are currently going to the town that he is residing in uh, as one of the nobility of the town. Uh, they found out a lot of really interesting things, uh, how he rose to power. They are they spent last session talking to one of the political houses that he usurped um, to try and get some support for uh, ousting him or at least exposing him. Uh, they have a fancy party that is going to happen basically at the start of the next session. Uh, where they may be able to confront him directly, they've uh, they've got their their disguises on. They they've got uh, a, some information on him, and they have things that they need to to look for, uh, and potentially a a town or a, a small city that they may need to help uh, because he may be doing things. Uh, that aren't in the city's best interests. Imagine that. What? Uh, so a that's dragon kind of, who doesn't have the city's best interests at heart. Wild, right? I can't believe so, it. So uh, hopefully there'll be a few more fun twists and turns uh, that the players won't expect uh, as we as we finish that up. So I'm I'm looking looking forward to that and hopefully uh, finishing strong and having a, a good, satisfying conclusion. Well, very good. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what happens with it because uh, you always have really cool, like kind of end campaign or you know end of arc stories. So I'm I'm looking forward to this one. I might put way too much time into designing <laughs> the final encounters of or the big boss encounters of my campaigns, but so far they've all worked out pretty dang good and have been uh, well worth worth the time investment. So I'm hoping to give to give this a good send off. Yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm I'm positive of it. You know what? I it's not even a question in my mind. I I appreciate you, Ben. I appreciate you. You bet. Uh, it's it's been fun. Like uh, I've I ended one campaign at level 12 or 13 one will end at nine and this one will end around 15. So it's three very, very full, uh, higher than most level campaigns. Uh, so that's, it's been fun to, to run those and, and get into that high level bit, um, somewhat as someone who just got to level 13 with his party, it's definitely challenging. And uh, I'm I'm hoping to take it to 20. We're, we're working on it. That's great. I hope you get there. Me too. Hope you get because then it's going to be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, that is going to do it for this episode of Dean Discussions. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Uh, we always enjoy getting the chance to discuss uh, some of our tips and tricks and uh, go over some of the the new stuff that's coming too. Like I said, next episode, we will have full coverage of the new Unearthed Arcana and we'll be hitting the highlights. Uh, but until then, again, check deandiscussions.com. We'll have a link to those, uh, the new UA, which will be out by the time this episode comes out. And Fun speaking times. of that, Ben, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached? You bet. Um, if you have anything that you want to share about your thoughts on the new UA, or of course, uh, you know, you have different ways to set the mood or have ideas about oozes, go ahead and send us an email uh, to dndiscussions at gmail.com. Or if it's easier to tweet at us, uh, you can do that. Uh, we're on Twitter, 
currently uh, at DN Discussions. If you're looking for me specifically, I'm at Ben Bumhofer. If you're looking for Ryan specifically, he is at TBK Zord. Um, so yeah, anything that uh, can be shortened down to 280 characters, send it our way. We love hearing from you. Um, if you want to hear me uh, and uh, at times Ryan uh, play Dungeons and Dragons, uh, check out Plus Five to Hit. Uh, Ryan's character is actually on a little bit of a break on uh, their own mission right now, uh, whereas I am. Uh, smack dab in the middle of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden making poor decisions and getting away with it. Uh, so check out Plus 5 to Hit. We have a lot of fun with that. Uh, as for this podcast though, DN Discussions, this is our 92nd episode, which means there are 91 others that are out there for you to listen to. So you can find those on dndiscussions.com or your podcast player of choice. Uh, one of the great things about D&D is that uh, these topics are generally timeless. So if you haven't listened to any of them before and you do like the show, hey, we got a lot more for you to listen to, so definitely check that out. Uh, now, until the next UA comes out, Ryan, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you, as always. And everybody, thank you very much for listening. We love your support. We love hearing from you. And, uh, hey, we'll be back. But until next time, be good to each other. Take care, and we'll see you soon.